So uh, when it comes to evangelism, uh, we, you know, there's, there's many different forms of evangelism, there's many different ways of evangelism. And I believe that God's leading us into a certain way of evangelism, but it doesn't throw out all the other ways. You know, there's times where you might be at a gas station and you see someone and, and God is highlighting them to you. Like, like you feel like you're supposed to say something to them. And, and so maybe you give them an encouraging word. Maybe you, you share the gospel with them. And that is an amazing form of evangelism. And I love that. And I've done that many, many times. And I've seen such good fruit. Um, that's a great form of evangelism. And I know that there's many people who have that gifting or have like trained up that muscle, if, if you will, to actually evangelize in that way. And uh, we have an evangelism team that does that, that goes to the streets. Uh, and they're going to Mardi Gras, by the way, in February. They're having a meeting after church. If you're part of that meeting, make sure you come. It, it'll be in the prayer room over, over there. Um, in the lobby, but, but that is an amazing way of evangelism, and we need to continue to you know, uh, be open to that experience and be open to God using us in that way. And, and, but, but in addition to that, I believe that God is bringing a new movement back around again, and that is evangelism to the table. There's, 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 this, there's this principle that we see from the temple to the table, the Christians uh, would meet uh, in the early church, in the beginning of the church, they would meet in the temple and they would also meet around the table. And when we only honor one way, when we're only doing it in one way, I believe that it's kind of like um, uh, only, only flapping one wing and expecting to fly. I believe that we can do both really well. It's so great doing worship together and experiencing the fellowship of believers corporately, but it is also amazing to experience the fellowship of believers in our homes around the table. And I believe God's bringing that back in. I was actually thinking about this in the Jesus movement. It was so amazing. You know, many of you uh, may have come from that generation and uh, many of you maybe have heard of that generation. Uh, but this Jesus movement happened so powerfully and I was just thinking about the Jesus movement. You know, they, they, there was crowds that gathered and there was preaching and there was a power of the spirit. There was a moving of signs, miracles and wonders. But there was also... One of the things about the Jesus people is that they actually met a lot together. They fellowshiped together. They met in homes. I actually, I was in uh, um, Mendocino, California. It's a really cool place. There's a place called the Lord's Land. Now, the Lord's Land, I've preached that many times. It's now a YWAM base called Youth with a Mission. It's called the Lord's Land. Very, it's like on the top of a cliff. It's like this little like village, all these wooden cabins that kind of look like they, were, they weren't built by a contractor. And um, <laughs> really cool thing. But it wasn't always the Lord's land. What was it? A hippie commune. Nudist hippie commune. A woman named Sabine was um, from Germany, had a lot of money, was like an heiress of some sort had bought that land during the hippie movement and started this nudist colony where all these hippies, and they, and they built these cabins with like, like everything was natural, so it was like the screws were wood screws, and so the cabins are kind of like, they're not perfect, but they work. And, um, and then a Jesus person from the Jesus movement walked onto the Lord's land, shares the gospel, and one by one, they all get saved. And the last one who didn't get saved was Sabine. She didn't get saved until she did. She did get saved. 
Um, but she was the last one. She was the last one holding out, and she became um, the leader of that, uh, that, that commune, and um, it was such a blessing. They, they were Jesus people, and just radically transformed. And then before she died, she donated the whole place to this YWAM base. And, um, but it wasn't, so sometimes we, we do, we, you know, we do trust God when we evangelize on the street and we, you know, God will take care of them and we evangelize and some people come to Jesus and, and then, you know, we encourage them to, to get into church, but there's no oftentimes follow-up discipleship. And so oftentimes we'll, it's like, you know, if, if I could say it like this, it's like we, we, it's like we help give a birth to somebody, a newborn believer, and then we leave them on the front porch. And babies don't survive without taking care. And one of the best ways through evangelism discipleship is actually meeting in the home. Let's, um, let's and, and I want to talk about, and this, this is also kind of what Dr. Alan Hawkins was talking about with the bread. I was going to teach on a lot of that today. But if we look at Luke 11, 2 through 3, um, it talks about the, um, the Lord's Prayer. The disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And one of the first things in the prayer, verses uh, 2 and 3, he says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, what I love about this, um, uh, what I love about this verse, and what I love what Jesus is teaching here, he's actually not just talking about physical bread here. He's not just saying, "Hey, make sure that you pray that God provides for your needs physically," which He definitely does, and you can pray that prayer. It's a very legal prayer. I pray it daily. God, please help us provide for us, cover us, you know, it's a great prayer. But in this context, this, what Jesus is actually talking about, when you look at bread in its entirety, he's actually talking about the bread that will never run out. The bread that is more than enough. Dr. Kenneth E. Bailey, who's a, a linguist, um, you know, that, that, that word daily there has been one of the most argued words in the New Testament by theologians because the original Greek it, that it's the, the word is called epiosis, and it's never it's not found in original modern Greek or ancient Greek. It's actually a word that was they thought made up, and so they had different translations of what it could mean. And so it says, "Give us each day our daily bread," um, which is a bit redundant. Why not just say, "Give us our daily bread"? And so what happened was um, uh, uh, you find that Jesus was speaking Aramaic. Uh, many of the theologians just thought maybe he, you know, they, they combined the two words like chill out and relax. You know, we say chillax. And they thought, oh, maybe it's like they combine these two words. They, there's a lot of different reasons that they thought maybe it could be that. And until finally, uh, Dr. Kenneth E. Bailey, a linguist who was an original native speaker to the uh, uh, Syriac language, and uh, which was a sister language to the uh, Aramaic, which is what Jesus would have spoken. And that word is in there. And instead of just give us each day our daily bread, he said a more accurate translation is give us the bread that will never run out. Give us the bread that is more than enough. And I want you to know that at the cross, everyone's equal. There's no one greater, there's no one lesser at the cross. We're all the same level at the cross. I'm the same as you. Just because I'm a pastor does not mean I, I, I'm at a different place at the cross. We all go, we have to go to the cross to get to Jesus. This is the, this is the way. 
And we're all at that same level. But around the table and around the table, we're also sitting at the same level. You see, there's always room at the table for people. And there's always enough bread. Like I grew up in an Italian family and um, I have this really, if you ever go to lunch with me, I have this problem. I still haven't been able to break the stronghold in my life. I, I cannot not eat fast. I have to eat fast. I eat immediately what's in front of me. It's like, this is my job, I'm gonna do it. Now, it's a symptom of being the youngest child in a big Italian family. Because they, they do family style. They don't just make a plate for everybody. They go, boom, here's a big bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. Good luck. If I wanted seconds, I had to eat fast. And when you do that as a child, and that's how you learn, you do it a lot. And my family, they didn't teach you to eat until you were full. No, 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 that's ridiculous. No. No, they taught you to eat until you could not eat anymore. If you weren't passing out over that spaghetti bowl, you need it more. If your eyes were open, your mom just wants to feed you as much as, she, because she doesn't know how to cook for just a family of six or eight. She only knows how to cook for 20. So you always have leftovers. And, and, uh, and, but, so I had this issue that if I didn't eat, I might not have enough. And, and it was all this, you know, that's why I struggle with carbs to this day. But anyway, <laughs> enough about me. The reality is that even, even um, people who uh, adopt or maybe um, from uh, children who didn't have enough food, that's one of the things. They'll, they'll eat as much as they can once they get into a house because they, they, they have this perception that there might not be enough. But there's always more bread. It's more than enough. Why? Because Jesus never runs out. And everyone at the table is welcome. Everyone at our table is welcome. Now, I don't, I'm not, that's not to say everyone at the table is right. That's not to say everyone at the table is perfect. And that's not to say that everyone at the table is cleaned up. Don't expect people to get clean before they get to the table. They still need the cross, they'll get there, but welcome them to your table. Don't ask them to fix their hair, don't ask them to wear certain clothes, don't ask them to believe certain things, don't ask them about their politics. I mean, the number one articles that come out around Thanksgiving is how divided the table is. Because everyone comes together and wants to talk politics and they want to talk, you know, all these other different issues. And, and that is a thing that the enemy sets as a trap. Because what he wants is nobody to be at the table. He wants everybody to be separate. He wants you isolated. He wants you not in community. He wants you to be in a place where you think you're self-sufficient. It's a deception. I've fallen for it. And the reality is it's around the table where you're eating bread, breaking bread with people that you experience Christ, you experience the power of his spirit. You can actually easily share the gospel. I, 
When, when I'm ministering to people at my table, at my house, when I invite them over and they're, they're not believers, they're not saved, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm in my heart, I'm just loving on them. I'm seeing them as, 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 hey, I had to be at the cross too. I wasn't, you know, like, it, there's nobody who was like, oh, you know, you'd be a great candidate for Jesus. It's like, it's like <laughs> no, we're all broken. We're all, like, you need to come to the cross. So, so I just look at them and I'm like, man, I remember being in that place. And I love on them until they come to this point where they say, man, I, what do you have? What can I do? Like, you know, I, I don't hide that I'm a, I'm a Jesus lover. I tell them all the time I love the Lord. But I, sometimes when, they, when they're like, man, I'm ready, I'm ready for a change, I actually sometimes laugh. Not at them, but just like, oh, you're at this point now where the Holy Spirit has opened up a door for you to come. I read this poem a few weeks ago about um, an old poem um, by Shoemaker where, where, where we stand by the door to put the person's hand on the door latch. You do not need to be a Christian apologist to bring people to Jesus. You do not need to be an amazing philosopher to bring people to Jesus. You do not need to have every answer Oftentimes, I'll just ask questions and listen. I'll just ask questions and listen. And then I say, you know what? I'm gonna pray with you about that. And they go, oh, you gonna pray for me? Yeah, I'm gonna pray for you. Well, I don't believe in all that stuff. That's okay, I do. You can still eat my bread. You can still be in my house. You can't stop me from praying for you, though, because I love you. You know, you think about Jesus. He didn't, like, go to all the disciples and say, okay, now, Peter, you better get right. You better have all the theology right. You better have everything in order in your life, and then you can follow me. He didn't expect that. He said, Peter, come, follow me, and then I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. You're gonna learn from me for three years. You're gonna stick your foot in your mouth countless times. I'm gonna rebuke you. I'm gonna lift you up and then slap you. <laughs> so why do we think we need to get people all figured out before they come? No, open your door. You'll be amazed how many people walk in and what kind of people walk in. And don't fall for the trap that the enemy tries to set. Thank you. We'll think that through next time. You, you think of Jews. You know, Jews would gather around once a week uh, for the Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night. What would they do? They would have a meal together. They wouldn't work. They would fellowship. They considered rest, fellowship. Now, when you, when you go and you, um, I don't know if you've ever had a friend like this or maybe non-friends like this, but you, you have a conversation with a group of people and afterwards you feel exhausted. There's conflict. There was subject matter that wasn't becoming and you almost felt like you needed a shower afterwards and a good sleep. That's not fellowship.
But when you get together with people and you speak into their life, you listen to them, you love on them, you share Christ with them, it brings life to you. It's like eating bread. And you, 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 you don't realize it, but you talk for hours, hours longer, and you later wish you wouldn't have because you want to sleep, but you did it anyway because it just brought so much life, and, and that is fellowship. Let's look at, I'm quickly going to go through these verses talking about fellowship as Christians gathered together. We weren't created for isolation. We were created for community. The kingdom of God is family. That's how he illustrated it. That's how he designed it. And so when we come into this new greater covenant, we're all now family. We're all the kingdom of God. And the world is longing for it. Acts 2, 46 through 47. We'll keep reading this verse as, as we continue in this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Fellowshipping together, breaking bread together, keeping it simple, and being joyful together. I, wanna, I just wanna emphasize that when we're gathering around the table, it's not about being right, it's about being in relationship. Okay? I trust, and we will do discipleship with people, and, and we will share the, the word of God with people and what is right and what is not right in terms of morality and sin and all that stuff needs to be worked through for sure. Um, and, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead us in that direction. So I'm not saying we're, we're just gonna not tell people, but... But the reality is, is that I, 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 I kind of suspend my judgment so that I can love on them, share the love of God, show them what, what godliness looks like, show them what love looks like. And when they come to Jesus, he will work these things out and he will use you to help them work these things out. And what happens? Praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is our model. Praising God, breaking bread together, loving on people. God's gonna add to the church of Albuquerque, not just our church, but the church of Albuquerque. Hebrews 10, 25. This is also, again, referencing them together, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Acts 14, 27 says, now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God hath done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they were gathering together, even, even beyond what they thought they were supposed to. Like, they thought this was just a Jewish thing. Now, all of a sudden, God's opened the door with the Gentiles. This, I just want you to understand that this is not something that is, this is something that is kingdom. It's not something that is culture. Some people say, well, gathering in homes, that's not part of our culture. Well, then we change the culture because it's kingdom. So let's break the mindset that the enemy wants to try to keep us all out of our homes. Acts 27 says, now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to what? Break bread. 
Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You know what happened there? They were breaking bread and enjoying it so much that they stayed up way too late. Sometimes they stayed up so late, people fell out of windows and died. It's in the Bible. Paul raised them again from the dead. So all, the, all you who are sleeping right now, just... So I said it before, the kingdom of heaven looks like family. The broken world and the enemy wants to break that family model, but this is not uh, what we're gonna submit to. We're gonna submit to the family model, the kingdom model. Um, the way of Jesus was to gather in the temple and at the table. And the world is longing for the table but can't find the table. You know, uh, Emmaus Road and their eyes were open is an amazing teaching, I'm going to keep referencing it because it's, it's really what we want everyone to go through at some point. But um, what I love about that is Jesus is walking with these two disciples who are distraught because they thought that all these other things that they thought were going to be fulfilled would happen through Jesus. And when he had died, they thought, man, it didn't happen. And, and so they're, they're distraught. And so Jesus, they, they didn't, Jesus didn't reveal himself to them yet. He's walking with them. He overhears them. He starts talking to them about how these things had to happen for things to be fulfilled and said that their hearts were burning within them. Like this bread, this bread, this person was giving them just seemed so familiar. It was bringing life. And so they begged him to come And What did Jesus do? He brought them around the table brought them back to the table, and what did he do? He broke bread, and their eyes were open. This is not a peripheral thing to the gospel. This is central to the gospel message. I wanna include in our evangelism, table evangelism, where we ask and we listen and we pray. We love on people. We disciple them. I look at Jesus with the Samaritan woman as he has this encounter with her. He, he, he asks her things, he listens, he replies, he prophesies into her life. He, he, uh, he, he, brings, he reveals who the, who the Messiah is. And what does she do? She gets filled with so much joy and she experiences some redemption that she literally goes and tells the whole city. A woman who was afraid to be, a, to be around people around the well because she was too embarrassed, because she was an outcast to that part of society, now with boldness goes and tells everyone else. You know who make the, up the best, the best? You know who make up the best evangelists? New believers. All of a sudden, you'll bring a few people into your home. One of them comes to know Jesus, and all of a sudden now you have five new people who need to know Jesus. Why? Because when they experience the presence of God, when they experience prayer and transformation, what do they do? They say, this is the best thing. I need to tell all my friends, all my family members what's possible, all my coworkers. One of the things I wanna encourage all of you is to get your testimony down. Remind yourself how you came to Jesus. It could have been that you grew up in church and that you, you, came, you, you, you stepped into the fullness of the godly inheritance God gave you and it brought some things. Maybe it's like, hey, you grew up in church but there was a stronghold that was broken and you've had victory over it. That's a testimony. Any, anything that you can think of that testifies of the goodness of Jesus, of God, 
Get that story down so that you can share it. And when you share the testimony of how Christ, of what Christ did in and through your life, it actually builds you up. It makes you feel the goodness of God and, and it allows the river of God to flow through you. And now I said this a few weeks ago and I'll say it again. I think sometimes we are a little stagnant in our own lives or we might feel um, like not satisfied. We might feel like we're lacking and we don't understand why. And, and I believe the answer is that many of us, including me at times, we've, we've not given away what we've received. And when you keep what you have, you become a stagnant pond that becomes perverse. But what stays clean? A flowing river. And so as you give away, you receive. And, um, and so I, I wanna encourage this. I believe that you're gonna find a lift even in your life with the Lord by telling your testimony and giving away what you had. Now what's so amazing about Jesus being welcoming around the table. What, the, last, the Last Supper is powerful because it's what? Around the table. They weren't all sitting on one side as some pictures might depict. They were looking at each other. They were facing each other. They were asking questions. Jesus was blessing them. He was calling some people out. But I, I love this, you know, that Many other religions, I've traveled the world and you know, there's ancestral worship, there's different types of re religious gods that they, you know, these false gods, these, these uh, little g gods that they worship. And what seems to be so amazing to me is that many of these gods, including in that ancestral worship, they prepare food for the gods to eat. But what does Jesus do? He prepares the food. He is the food for us to eat. Many gods require humans to be sacrificed for them. What does our God do? He sacrifices himself. It's not okay to not share. God's gonna give you opportunities. I'm gonna pray for divine appointments that God would remind you and that you would have the boldness and the faith to share because I know it's tough and I know it's scary. And sometimes I'm a pastor and sometimes I get nervous about it. But we're gonna go in a direction where I believe that it's gonna be so naturally supernatural. Where it's gonna be as easy as just inviting people over for a meal. Encountering people, maybe coworkers, maybe friends, maybe family members that you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe you talk to them every day, but you say, you know what, Joe, Susie, Come on over. Let's break some bread. Let's have some, let's have some food together. Let's watch the Eagles beat the Niners <laughs> and eat some wings and talk about Jesus. Just kidding. Oh, come on. All right, fine, fine. Just hold me, yeah. But it doesn't have to be a dramatic thing. And you know what? It doesn't have to be one meal. It doesn't have to be one meal. It doesn't have to be like, I gotta do this in this moment or else it's gonna, you know, no. You bring them into your house, you share the love of God and you invite them again. And you just pray, God, give us opportunity to minister to so-and-so and just open up the door. We'll help put the hand on the latch. Why don't you stand?
I had, um, I was talking to someone and they have a lot of faith. And they said, I believe our church is gonna be 10,000 people in 10 years. I said, well, I'm not gonna hold you to that. <laughs> but I, I really would, would just love to see the church grow by 10,000 people in Albuquerque. But I have faith for that, that people are gonna get saved in homes, that other churches will get filled up as well as ours. New churches might get built or re, re, rebuilt. I don't know, I don't know. There's a lot of churches in Albuquerque. I, I mean, I'm looking around, I'm like, wow, there's a church there, there's a church there, there's a church there, there's a church there. And I don't think just building more buildings is gonna make a difference. There's enough of them. I think it's gonna be opening our homes that's gonna make a difference. That's where it's at. So I'm gonna pray for you as you bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love towards us and all that you've done in and through our lives. Lord, I pray for boldness, for an anointing of boldness to come over our congregation, all of us, including me. And Lord, I pray for divine opportunities where you open the doors for us to invite people and share your love with them. God, I thank you for the anointing that's falling on this house. Lord, may we steward it and honor it and walk in it and pursue you in it. Lord, as you bless us, may we give away that blessing. May we have the river of life flowing out of our bellies. Lord, I pray that you would break off any judgmental religious mindset that we might have. Just see people as they are and accept them as they are and point them to you so that they can get radically in love with you and be changed by you. Give us wisdom and discipleship. May we carry your word with the utmost honor and point and show people your word. And Lord, may your peace be upon every house. May, may Albuquerque have houses of peace that open up the door to the gospel as we pursue you in this message, in this core value. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, yeah, give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We at New Life City believe in the power of prayer. We have people who would love to pray for you, prayer ministers, pastors. If you wanna pray for, uh, if you wanna receive prayer if you're going through something, we'd love to pray with you. Um, so, but other than that, have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'll see you guys next week. Enjoy, enjoy the weekend. Blessings. <laughs>